One of the first things I noticed when I arrived here was how welcoming Portuguese people are from foreigners. Something that's really comforting when you arrive and you're moving to a new country and you don't know if you're going to understand the language or you don't know if you're going to be adapted quickly. The Portuguese really make you feel comfortable and welcome. Welcome to another episode of our podcast series, Moving to Expat Land, The Journey to Lisbon. Today, it's my pleasure to speak with Rosanna Beglia from Global International Relocation. Rosanna is a mobility market strategist with more than 15 years experience. Having worked in Venezuela and Spain, Rosanna has been in Portugal for the last seven years. She's a specialist in all areas connected with moving, relocation, and helping people settle in to the city they're moving to. Great to see you today, Rosanna. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here today, talking to all of you. Well, it's our pleasure to have you uh, as a guest. And, and I was just in Lisbon, uh, which I have to say, it's one of my favorite cities of the world. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in relocation, Rosanna. If I may say so, Lisbon is one of my favorite cities as well. And as you will find out in just a few seconds, you get, I'm not Portuguese. I'm actually an expat living here for, it's been eight years already since I moved to, to Portugal. And I wouldn't change it for the world. <laughs> so to start a little bit um, about my journey, well, it started about, yeah, 15 years ago. I was born in, in Caracas, in Venezuela. And I lived there for most of my young years. I did my university degree there. And my first dive into the relocation industry was through a friend who owned a relocation company there and needed help you know, guiding expats arriving into Caracas for the oil industry, showing them around. And I was, of course, that person. I spoke English at the time, so I went to pick them up at the airport. I did whatever relocation consultant does, showing them the city, showing them what you're passionate about. And that's when I realized that was something I really, really liked. It had nothing to do with my career. I'm actually a journalist. But it was something that I loved doing on the side. There's nothing bad about that you show the city that you love you interact with people from other cultures so it was amazing fast forward a few years i moved to the u.s to do part of my university degree there and i ended up working for a company in arizona also involved with the real estate and the relocation agency and that's when i really got in seriously into the relocation business I, in 2008 i moved to spain i was going to do my master's degree in international business there it was quite automatic. I started working for a company that was at the time the relocation leader in the Spanish market. I moved here for personal reasons. I realized this is where I wanted to live for the longest period of time. I fell in love with this country instantly. The opportunity came up to start working at Global. I knew George da Costa was the CEO because we were partners when I was working in Spain. And he's like, why don't you come and join me? I have this project. I want to have a 360 mobility company where we can offer every single service to our clients. And I think you're the right person to start this position. And I was really happy. 
I didn't know the market or the language at the time, but I had the experience and, and he trusted me with that. And here we are, seven years after. It's, um, it's a booming department. We have about 12 people in my team for immigration and relocation, and we've been constantly growing ever since. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about global international relocation and some of the services you offer and how you can help someone who becomes a client of yours. Yes. So in the relocation process comes through immigration, right? So that's where we start. We have a team of lawyers here who will meet with client. Just to give you a little bit of context, we handle two different types of people and clients. One of those are corporate clients who bring their workers or new hires from abroad to Portugal. And so our primary client is the corporation, but then we have the expert that we deal with. And then we also have private people, people who decide they want to work remotely from Portugal. And normally the process where we start is with a meeting with a lawyer, where we go through their profile, what they need in terms of immigration and see what kind of permit it's the right permit for them. And then we explain the whole process and what they have to go through. And after that's been settled, then we start with the process of helping them find a house, school for their children, um, settling in process, everything that they need here. And yeah, we, we help them settle in all that process, not only on the objective side of it, which is, you know, immigration, finding a house and being completely settled, but also trying to replicate some sort of a lifestyle that they had in the origin country here. Or even better, trying to do new things that they want to try while they're living in Lisbon. We help them find that. And then we help them with all the transport of their goods. If they're moving one house from their house in their origin country to Portugal, we do, you know, door-to-door shipments as well. So everything that they need from A to Z to be settled in Portugal, we do it internally. And one of the, the things that we are proud to offer to our partners is that we get one person who's, you know, looking after them, even though there's a lot of people involved in the process, operationally speaking, there's one person keeping the conversation going with the client, which gives them a lot of reassurance and ease the process a lot for them. I tell you one thing, this is the only company at the moment in Portugal who does this internally is that we wanted to make things easy for the client. Like, yeah, I deal with Rosana. She's going to explain me everything that I need to get done. Yeah, I may send some documents to the coordinator of the move and I'll talk to the lawyer because she knows about law. But if I have any information in general that I need to talk to, I talk to my consultant, which in this case would be Rosana or whoever is in charge. Got it. So in terms of the challenges moving to Lisbon, as you've done it yourself, what would you say people should be prepared for to see as challenges coming to the country? Yeah, I mean, there's an expectation when you talk about Portugal. If you talked about Portugal 10 years ago, maybe, it wasn't probably on the radar. You know, you, you will hear about Spain, hear about France and other huge European countries, but not Portugal. And all of a sudden, Portugal became this go-to place. We started appearing on rankings of, you know, best quality of life. And there's a huge IT hub here at the moment. A lot of startups are, are getting moved to Portugal. So Portugal used to be cheap. It's not anymore. And people still think when they're coming to Portugal that they're going to find cheap housing, for example. And unless you're going to one of the remote 
cities, you know, not the main ones, Port or Lisbon, that's not happening anymore. Right now, prices for rentals in, in Lisbon are we're in the normal range of prices that any European capital. Portugal is a quite bureaucratic country in terms of paperwork. We did a great job during the pandemic, or the government, it's doing a great job during the pandemic trying to make online access to most of the things in terms of finances and the tax office and but there are still some bureaucracy involved in terms of immigration and in terms of general registration so it's important to be patient and not to think that you can do it on your own rosanna if someone does try to do it themselves what are some of the problems that they can encounter Something really simple, for example, there's a huge benefit of tax exemption when you bring your household goods to Portugal, but you need to have some paperwork in place. And the paperwork process start on the, your origin country, for example. You need to go to the Portuguese consulate, get a cancellation of residency, and then get, come here, and then you have to ta have a tax resident. If you're not properly informed, a lot of people come here without the documents they need from the origin country, for example. And without those documents, you're not able to get gather the documents that you need to get here in Lisbon for proper tax exemption. A mistake like that can cost you a lot of money in the mortgage fees because your goods are going to be stuck in customs and you're not going to be able to get them out. So you end up paying a lot of money that you weren't expecting to pay because the document or the paperwork weren't in place or you thought it was easy to obtain. That's one thing. Well, that's a problem that many people wouldn't, wouldn't see. They would just assume, I guess, that you can put it on a truck and it'll just come in. Uh, I don't think they would assume that it's got to sit in storage uh, uh, for so long, perhaps. Yeah, no, a lot of people doesn't know it. I mean, when you're dealing, one of coordinators is dealing with the move process of the, they have to inform of all the documents that they need to bring. But normally, what people tend to think is, oh, yeah, well, I'll get it done when I'm in Portugal. And after I'm done, I'll, I'm, I'm there, I'll get it done. And, and it all work out perfectly. And it, it takes a little bit longer than that. You need to be aware that there are stuff that you, it's easier if you get while you're in the origin country and just following the order of the things. So it's good to always have someone that helps you obtaining that or guiding you through that process. To make it easy for people coming to the country and being your client, do you have a checklist you can give them? Yeah, we, we have a checklist, that, a really important one that goes, you know, two weeks or three weeks before your move, one week before your move, right before, once you arrive in Portugal, so they know the steps that they have to take for getting all those documents done. So if I want to become a client of Global Relocation and I hear about you, would I just send an email to Rosanna Veglia or to a contact? We have a general email called portugal at global.pt. And normally when we get leads, we get it through that email or info at global.pt. And normally what they say, we ask two or three basic questions. Where are you coming from? Um, when are you planning to move to Portugal? And what kind of service are you looking for? And you can tick some boxes if it's relocation or immigration. And what happens then is within 24 hours, one of our consultants or someone from the sales team is going to be in touch with you um, and set up a Zoom meeting. We like to see people and meet people and understand, you know, what their plans are and to map out what actually they need. No, no client is the same. So 
what we do is within that same week, we organize a Zoom meeting for about half an hour. We find out what they need. We analyze in terms of paperwork, and then we send a proposal. We say, look, phase one, two, and three of the process, this is what it is, and this is what su our suggestion is. And then they normally engage our services, and we start working right away. Which is good. So I guess one of the things people often think about is fees and costs and things. So do people pay you based on time or do they pay the business based on results? How, just to share a little bit of that sort of detail with the potential listener. So it depends. There are two different ways that we manage. The move, household good move side always depends on, you know, the volume and the survey that our team does initially. And this is something that's charged separately because it's, it has to do with the volume that you have specifically. Then the relocation and the immigration side, it could be done through a package saying, you know, this is a full relocation package where we do immigration with assistance, remote assistance in the consulate in the origin country for visa purposes. And then we do the second phase, which is the immigration office in Portugal. That's the immigration side. Then we include some of the mandatory registrations that they need here. And then the home finding, we can do that as a package. And then we charge 50% at the beginning of the process, then 50% at the end of the process, that can be a way to do it. Some people decide to engage our services in different phases. Say, for example, you know, I'm, I'm going to hire just immigration for now, and then we'll move with the rest. The good thing is that if you buy everything as a package, you get a huge discount. And there's easy ways to pay for it. You know, 50% at the beginning, the other 50% can be spread out in phases. It will always depend. When it's the corporations, that hire our services, it's normally all invoiced at the beginning of the process. So I am very happy that Global Relocation and you are a group leader of our expat land team in Lisbon. We also have Preston uh, Eber Audit as accountants and advisors to help business people moving. Do you think there's a strong link between image and taxation? And how do you typically see people working, needing, needing both services? Absolutely. One of the most attractions to come and live in Portugal, it's the tax benefit. We have a tax benefit called the non-habitual resident tax, which ensures NHR. And what this allows, this benefit, is someone who hasn't lived in Portugal for the past five years and hasn't had any income. And this applies to foreigners and also Portuguese people who's been living abroad and want to come back, they can apply for this benefit and have no taxes to be paid on external income that's coming from abroad and a cap of 20% of tax paying if they're receiving income from Portugal. So this is a, why the link with Creston is really important because as we're doing the immigration, they are doing financial planning with their tax advisors in order for them to be able to apply for the NHR as soon as they become a tax resident in Portugal. Thank you. So can I ask, how far ahead of time of me coming to live in Lisbon should I be thinking about where I'm going to live? Like, you know, is it hard for me to rent a property? Well, I, should I think about three months, six months? How competitive is it to find, you know, a good place to, to rent in, in Lisbon? I think the biggest challenge is to decide where you want to live. So normally what we recommend 
to the people who we, we have people say look i want to live in portugal i don't know if i want to live in porto or in lisbon i love both cities so what we do is we say why don't you come here for about a week or two we give you an orientation in uh, in lisbon and one in porto where you can see lifestyle different neighborhoods cost of living you know access to services and hospitals and everything that has to do with living in a place and then they can decide where they want to focus the day-to-day -day living that's one way to do it the second way to do is say look i already decided my city of choice is this one how do we move from here and so what we recommend is at least rent an airbnb for a month you know temporary accommodation whatever you want to call it for a month and throughout that month we can find permanent housing what we do and normally how the process goes is we give you access to an online platform before you even arrive in portugal where we can figure out you know what your subjective needs are in terms of housing because the objective ones we have it you want somewhere you know two bedroom house that is located in downtown for example that's this and that but the subjective part of it which you don't know until you see it that's the one we want to find out before we actually take you visit places and we do it through an online platform that we use Rosanna, using an online platform sounds very innovative. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit more about this tool. Sure. We're using a tool called Relocation Online, which is basically a platform that allows not only the expert, but imagine if you're coming through a corporation, then it's also the HR manager to follow in real time the whole process of relocation, including the immigration. What we do with this platform, the first thing is we handle sensible documents through that platform. We don't do it over email because we want to be compliant with uh, data protection laws. And so everything that we do in there is encrypted and, you know, it's limited to the people who can see and have access to those documents. That's the first thing and the first benefit of using this platform. The second one, for example, for the home find is that allow us to look through the market, everything that's available, and it automatically uploads all the apartments that are available within the criteria of the expat into that platform with description in English, with pictures, with, you know, all the basic information that they need to decide whether they want to visit it or not. We have real live chats in each one of the properties where we can say, look, take a look at this property. You know, these are the conditions and they can say, I like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. That has a green wall. That's the subjective thing that I was talking initially. And we can just discard those and then end up with the ones that we really, really like. And what helps us and the biggest benefit is that the day that we go out with you to find a house, we are certain that what we're showing to you, you're going to like. Because the market is difficult at the moment. There's a lot of competition, uh, very little offer. So we don't want to waste your time. We want to show you specifically things that you're going to like so we can have at least two or three choices to apply for and have backups. And that tool helps us do that process even before you arrive in Portugal. Great service. Great service. I think that makes the process so much more customized, tailored and streamlined. So I, I think uh, that's probably enough on the technical side. Maybe you can tell us about some of the fun stuff uh, of living in Lisbon, right? So let's, let's paint a nice picture for someone who's thinking about Lisbon. One of the basic things about Lisbon is the weather. Oh, it's a warm city. We have a, it's a very mild winter, very warm in the summers. We have a lot of sun throughout the year. Obviously, when it rains, it rains. So, for example, April and May are the rainy season here in Portugal. But after that, you can guarantee sun. If you decide you want to live in downtown Lisbon, we 
it's beautiful cobbled streets. It has, you know, the typical Portuguese architecture. And then all the apartments inside have been reformed. So you can live comfortably close to, you know, restaurants and things like that. You just need to take a train for 15 minutes and then you get to the coast. And you have access to beautiful crystal water beaches with white sand. So that's, for me, that's one of the most amazing factors in Portugal. And that's personally because I come from, from the Caribbean. So me living close to the sea, it's, it was a most. I needed to be able to reach the sea when I wanted to. Another thing is water sports here are very big. So you, no matter what age you are, what physical condition you are, you can always start a surfing lesson, a paddle surfing lesson. And, and from the very beginning, and then you become, you know, a good surfer within a year or so. Um, the food is amazing. The fish, seafood, fresh, um, healthy, Mediterranean diet. Um, no matter where you go, you're going to eat well. And that's one of the things that still is affordable in Portugal. So eating out, it's not expensive at all compared to other cities. Describe what Portuguese are like. You're uh, Venezuelan, but how have you found Portuguese culture just generally? One of the first things I noticed when I arrived here was how welcoming Portuguese people are from foreigners. They love showing off their country and their culture, and they are very proud of being Portuguese and what they have to offer. And that's something that's really comforting when you arrive and you're moving to a new country and you don't know if you're going to, you know, understand the language or you don't know if you're going to be adapted quickly the portuguese really make you feel comfortable and welcome and I, one big thing that's very important is that there's a little language barrier because almost all portuguese will talk will speak some english or will understand it somehow a lot of them speak some spanish they call it portuñol but they understand perfectly good spanish so Communication is not an issue. And I think communication at the beginning when you move into a different country is something that makes a lot of people nervous. You'll find someone willing to help you navigate the metro line or a map or finding where somewhere is without even asking. And that is something that I, I was very appreciative of. Culturally speaking, it's a culture that's very family oriented. So there's a lot of family activities uh, or, or places thought for family activities here in Portugal, uh, especially for children. Education is really good, public and private as well. It's just a very warming and welcoming culture. And I think that's the one thing that stands out the most. It's very nice to hear. And I, I would like to ask a follow-up, which is if you are a foreign executive coming to work in a Portuguese company, in some countries, giving negative feedback is done in a very direct way. In some other countries, giving negative feedback is done in a very staggered and layered way. So how would you suggest a foreign executive coming into a largely Portuguese company gives negative feedback to somebody on his or her team? This is a really good question because one of the things that definitely doesn't happen is direct feedback. It's not part of the culture. It's done in a very layered way. I recommend always using diplomacy. There's something that I like to use with my team, which is like the sandwich strategy, which is you start with something positive 
then you say the negative feedback and then you end up with something positive to just, you know, make people feel good about what you spoke about. And that's definitely a way of things that, that it will be taken positively. I've noticed, for example, that Portuguese people is very keen on learning and, and correcting mistakes, if any. But if you say it in a kind and in a diplomatic way where you're not insulting their integrity, And it's something that we really need to look after and take care of. And I think this is a general thing in terms of, you know, being being a professional. We need to look after the way how we say things and how we're, you know, treating the integrity of the person that you're saying. But especially here in Portugal, we need to accompany negative feedback with some positive one as well. Another question I have that might be helpful for our listeners is a trailing spouse um, settling in to Lisbon or Porto, what tips would you have for him or her to find stuff to do and to settle in while their partner's at work? Have you got any guidance on how they can uh, adjust to life? I mean, it depends on, on their general objectives. Someone, normally a trailing spouse that comes here on a family reunification visa, they have the option to work if they want to um, under that visa. And what we do, what we've seen that works the best is to have, you know, a couple of hours, maybe a day hired with one of those job experts that can help them, you know, tailor the resume and see what they, what skills they have that can be applied here in Portugal and help them, you know, get that process started. That's one way of doing things. And we had a lot of trailing spouses who actually, and I think more and more, they don't want to just stay at home and, and be the trailing spouse. They actually want to work. So that's worked a lot. There are other options as well for someone who doesn't want to work uh, in Portugal and they want to experience the, the, have the full experience of living in Portugal as an expat. There's a lot of activities that they can do. There's a lot of expat communities here as well that they can join depending on their nationality, what their interests are. We normally give them information about those expat communities where there are things going on. A lot of volunteer work as well. We have a lot of expats trailing spouses who want to get involved in volunteer work and, and they found that there's a huge community in that here as well. You've painted such a lovely picture of the country. I think uh, half our listeners definitely want to move to Portugal. Um, now, let's ask a little bit more about Rosanna. Away from uh, working so hard for Global and uh, Jorge da Costa, what do you do for fun when you're not at work? Well, my fun at the moment, I have two small children. One is five and the other one is two years old. So our fun right now, it's evolving around them. My husband is English. So we ended up the Venezuelan and the English moving to Portugal. And we have two Portuguese little children. So we decided that we wanted to stay here for the long run. Uh, one of the things we love, it's obviously, as I said before, we love going to the beach. I love water sports. I love just having a fun day out in the sun. Very cool. And I like the fact that you, you said that, a Venezuelan and an Englishman and having Portuguese children. The perfect way to end an in interview about expat land and, uh, and, global, and global families. That sounds wonderful. So thank you very much, Rosanna. You've been an amazing guest. I'm looking forward to working with you and Preston. Continue building our expat land e-team in Lisbon and helping people settle in. Thank you for the invitation. I'm really excited about what's coming next with this partnership. <laughs>